0: You're listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website. This is BaptistChurch.com. Well, amen. As the kids are beginning, young people and youth are making, I mean, children are making their way. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn to the book of Esther. The book of Esther. And I want us to look at Esther chapter 2, verse, first of all, Esther chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. We're in a series called Damaged Daughters. And I preached last week, part one, a sermon called Every Girl Needs a Mordecai. In looking at the life of this young lady, this girl by the name of... uh, Esther now let me give you a little background before we even read there's a king and the king is the king of the Persian empire an empire that is ruled by a man by the name of Erxes and Xerxes is a strange kind of character he's very different and in chapter one King Xerxes, the king of the Persian empire is having a war planning meeting now he is um Getting ready to go into a battle that many of you have seen Hollywood's rendition 300 or the 300 or whatever. He's going to get beat. But he's a difficult individual. And in this war planning meeting that turns into a party, he invites the queen, Queen Vashti, to come. And uh, many believe that he was asking her to come before this war party, that he was asking her to come nude, naked. Some believe that she was even pregnant with King Erxes' child. Queen Vashti refused. It made the king angry. And so uh, his dignitaries, his uh, rulers around him, begin to say to him, King, you've got to deal with this. If you don't deal with the queen, then the reality is this is going to cause a problem throughout the entire empire. So he banished Queen Vashti forever from his presence. Now, after a while, he goes and he's defeated by the Greeks. He comes back, many believe this, and he's not in the best of mood. And so his entourage around him begin to say, hey, listen, why don't you replace Queen Vashti with a new queen? So over 50 million people are citizens of the Persian Empire. He sends out a call to any young lady. So there could have been as many as 25 women who were all competing to be the queen of the Persian empire. Mordecai, this Jew, has a young cousin, we believe, a first cousin. She's probably at least 15 years younger than Mordecai. And because Esther's parents had died or had been killed, Mordecai had been left with the responsibility of raising her up. Now, the Bible says she was beautiful. And so Mordecai says to Esther, you need to go into the competition, but do not tell anybody that you're a Jew. Queen, the Esther goes, she ultimately pleases King Xerxes, and she becomes the queen of the Persian Empire. But she is in a very dangerous culture, environment, And she needs Mordecai. Now let's pick up at Esther chapter 2 verses 19 and 20. It said when the virgins were assembled a second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. But Esther had kept secret her family background and nationality just as Mordecai had told her to do. For she continued, now watch this, if you look at my Bible, and let me say this again, I know you have Bible apps, but there's nothing like a hard copy. You're not going to be able to leave your Bible app to your kids and your grandkids. They're going to care nothing about it. And even your great grandkids down the line, through generations, the reality is, is they can look back, see your notes and see what, uh, what you've written. But I've highlighted this. It said that, Mordecai told her, keep your background, your nationality quiet. She had done just as Mordecai had told her. Look at verse 20. She continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as she had done when he was bringing her up. Let's pray again. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all the blessings that you give us. And we ask you, dear Lord, to use this time for your glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, Amen. You can be seated. Now we—I I just gave you kind of an overview of of the background, but you know, we talked about over the last couple of weeks, uh, young teenage girls, what they're dealing with today. We we said this. You know, this is a this is an unbelievable tool of the enemy that can affect young teenage girls in the developmental years. They can be influenced. They can be bullied. There's a lot of bullying that takes place through social media today. There's a lot of things. There's a trans movement today, the LGBTQ movement. But there's a trans movement today where, where young girls are being solicited by those in alternative lifestyles where they're basically just trying to involve them into a lifestyle contrary to what the Bible teaches. They're being targeted today. Uh, I think very clearly because we have an enemy who's undermining the institution of marriage, he's undermining the institution of motherhood, of what it means to be a mom anymore. Whether he is, we we were commanded propagating the human race, but we see abortion, we see the gay lifestyle, we see the trans movement. All these are designed to bring confusion into a young, developing teenage girl at a time when she's thinking about marriage, thinking about motherhood, and thinking about what God's going to do in her life. And so we said last week that every girl needs a Mordecai. Esther was in a very difficult place. She was in a difficult culture and environment. She needed Mordecai. And we said this, that every girl needs, first of all, guidance. You see, Mordecai was there to give Esther guidance. You know, Ledge and I and Alicia, a lot of times we'll be riding home. Ethan was with us. And, and Ledge made the statement, he said, you know, dad, that is true, but guidance, somebody needs to deal with her phone, but guidance always also includes listening. In other words, the Bible said that Mordecai not only gave her guidance, but look at verse 20. She continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as she was, as she was alive, as she was continuing to live out this principle of being a queen. You know, I wrote this principle down. And let me say this. Though I'm talking about the series is called Damaged Daughters and How to Prevent That. Though I'm talking to especially parents who are raising daughters. I'm also talking to all of us. Because either you're going to have daughter-in-laws, you're going to have granddaughters or you're going to have young women in your life that you're going to have the opportunity to give them counsel. So in and, and, and raising sons, everything that I'm saying about raising daughters is true of raising sons. And all God's people said, amen. But let me say it this way, a principle, teach your daughters to listen. Now that's real simple, isn't it? Now, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, when they get married now, they got to submit. That word, hupotasso in the Greek, to submit means to fall in rank. Uh, you know, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna be married to a, a man, a husband, and he may start calling the shots. And let me tell you, let me tell you, I've got two girls and two boys. And let me tell you, that is difficult for a dad to deal with. I'm just going to tell you, it's difficult. It's hard when your daughters now are walking under the guidance and the direction and the authority of their husband, because a lot of times as a dad, you want to get involved in that. You want to get in the way of that. But sooner or later, you and I have to teach our daughters, teach our girls that, hey, listen, you're going to have to learn to listen. And you're going to have to seek out godly counsel. In fact, I wrote this down. You're going to have to teach your daughters to follow the guidance of godly men and women and to seek that out and that's what we find here in verse 20 the bible says it again it said that she continued to follow mordecai's instructions as she had done when he was bringing her up now listen to that it says that she cont- continued to listen to mordecai though now she's a grown adult woman just as she did listen when he was bringing her up. Did you hear that? You know, a lot of times I think we get to a point. We we think we don't need to listen anymore. I wrote this down. I, I thought to myself, you know, she could have said, hey, listen, Morty. I've been schooled. Now, I, I, I've. I've. I've been schooled. I, I've been educated. I've, I've been in some of the fine. I've, I've got some of the finest ointments and creams. Uh, I've got the ear now of the most powerful figure in all the world. King Xerxes. I'm the queen, Morty. I don't need to listen to you anymore. But let me tell you, no matter how old children are, sometimes they need to have a sit down with the parents. And you may say, well, I don't have the best parents. Well, let me tell you, I've seen some of the worst parents become very good parents when they're talking to their adult kids because they're telling their kids all the things they did wrong and what what they wish they could have done differently. I told you the story. You know, when you're in the inner city, you never know who may show up at the door. And I had a mom and a grown young lady, a daughter who came and, and uh, they came for counseling and she wanted me to somehow have an influence or to talk to her daughter. And at a certain point, an intense moment, when the three of us were sitting there, the daughter finally got angry, looked frustrated at her mother, and she leaned across that table in that room there and she said, you didn't do it. All these things you want me to do, you didn't do that. You were in the bed with one man after another. You were promiscuous. You were in and out of relationships. You begin. she began to just tear her mom down. Her mom tears began to trickle down her cheeks. And her mom looked at her and said, yes, you're exactly right. And if I had my life to do over again, I'd have done it differently. But I'm so sorry. Now I'm asking you to listen to me and not make my mistakes. You know, guidance means that we listen. Well, you know, I went on to say this. That's, that's kind of the preface. Because today, what we're going to see is that Mordecai lived a life where he positioned Esther for success and he protected her. Now, I want you to look again. Look at uh, Esther chapter 2, verse 19. Let's pick up there again. When the virgins were assembled a second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Don't you love that? But Esther had kept secret her family background and nationality, just as Mordecai had told her to do, for she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions just as she had done when he was bringing her up. During the time Mordecai was, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bithena and Teresh, two of the king's officials who guarded the doorway, became angry and comp- conspired to assassinate King Herxes. But Mordecai, verse 22, but Mordecai found out about the plot and told Queen Esther, who in turn reported it to the king, giving credit to who? To Mordecai. And when the report was investigated and found to be true, the two officials were hanged on the gallows. All this was recorded in the book of the Annals in the presence of the king. Wow. It's interesting, isn't it? First of all, you'll notice, where's Mordecai? Where's Mordecai? Where is he? He's at the King's Gate. What does that tell you about Mordecai? Mordecai wasn't far from Esther. Though Esther was a grown woman, though Esther was queen, Mordecai was still involved in her life. He was there at the King's Gate. He was still watching over his little girl. He still felt the responsibility and the weight of that. And on one particular occasion when he's there, watching over, protecting, doing everything he can. You know, sometimes as a parent, you feel that you're standing at a distance. But you're still mindful and you're watching. And he was protecting and he was caring. and And he's on high alert. And he listens and he hears a conspiracy, an assassination attempt. That is about to be made by those two individuals that were closest to the king. And when he hears, he calls to the council, he calls for a conversation with the queen, that is Queen Esther, and he tells her what's getting ready to happen. Why? Because if an assassination attempt could be made against the king, most likely they would take out Who? Who? The queen. You see, every girl needs a Mordecai because every girl needs to be protected. You see, you see here, there's a principle. He positioned Esther to be in favor with the king. He didn't go to the king. He didn't go to anybody else. He didn't try to... Uh, pound his own chest. What he was doing? He was networking. He was positioning. He was putting Esther in a place where Esther could have the ear of the king, where Esther could prove her integrity and what kind of woman she was. And my friend, that's part of it. She he positioned her to live a life of integrity, building relationships and networking. Matthew Henry said this. He said Mordecai got notice of their treason. And by Esther's means, listen, expose the plot to the king and thereby, listen to what Matthew Henry said, confirming, solidifying Esther into the royal position as queen, plus recommending himself to the king's favor. Every girl needs a Mordecai, every girl deserves to be protected, every girl needs a mom and a dad that are on high alert. You don't have time to sit at home and game. You don't have time to sit here and there and not be in, in, intensely involved in the raising of your children. It's hands on. Mordecai was right there. Every girl needs a dad and mom that are like the Secret Service you're on the front line of protecting your children, your sons, and your daughters. You're protecting them about what goes in their eyes, what goes in their ears, who their friends are, who their peers are. You're on high alert. You're involved. If you go to the History Channel and you see the special on 9 11, you'll see a six foot five tall man with a rather large nose. He's a retired Secret Service agent. He's my first cousin. His name is David Wilkinson. David was with the president when 9-11 took place. He was there when the President Bush, President Bush, was in that elementary school in that environment. David said there came a point when they hit the second tower and then they hit the Pentagon. And when Flight 93 went down to Pennsylvania, they knew that this country was was under a legitimate threat. There is a process that takes place at that moment. The president is taken. They said this. They said flying out on, on Air Force One, when you fly out, when they were flying out of Florida, they do this maneuver. They take that airline jet and they put it straight up in order to protect the President of the United States because they did not know the threats that they had not been able to secure Florida at that point. So they put it in a vertical, the Secret Service calls for that maneuver. It is a vertical shot, and when it happens, everything is falling out. He said there came a point when the President was demanding, President George Bush Jr. was demanding Bush was demanding to be taken back to the White House. I will not bow to be a coward. Basically, he didn't want it to be confused. I'm not going to hide out. You're going to take me back to the White House and the Secret Service. And I think it was David says, Mr. President, we cannot take you back to the White House. You'll have to listen. We overrule your decision. There's sometimes, no matter our position, we have to listen. Kevin Costner was in the movie with Whitney Houston, the bodyguard. When Whitney Houston died, she died of an overdose in a bathtub, and her daughter died the same way. Be careful, Mom, because your children will follow you. Kevin Costner, in speaking, he was asked to speak at the funeral of Whitney Houston. He went on to say this. He said she was one of the most gifted, and every one of us know this, one of the most gifted vocalists that's ever walked the earth. But he said she was vulnerable. He said she was unsure of herself. He sat there at times weeping as he talked about Whitney Houston being frail, unsure, and easily abused by the industry. C.C. Winan stood up and spoke and said, We begged Whitney not to go the route of secular, but to stay with Christian music and to do what, to sing with us. The Winan, C.C. Winan, but she didn't. But Kevin Costner said this, he said, Whitney Houston needed somebody To protect her. I don't think. As I listen to him. I don't think he was playing a role. Of the bodyguard. This individual that. uh, Some will hire retired secret service. Some people hire these. uh, uh, Individuals to protect and watch over them. I think that Kevin Costner. Honestly thought. He should have been that individual. And if he had done it better, she might be alive. Every girl needs a Mordecai. Every girl needs to be protected. Dad, you are the bodyguard to your children. And mom, you are too. I used to watch the president because I would only do it to see that six foot five first cousin of mine. But let me tell you what I did not see. I did not see my cousin's secret service on his phone looking at Facebook. I didn't see him over there saying, hey, guys, come over and let's catch the ball game. Let me tell you, this is the way he looked. Talking. Constantly looking for any threat, identifying any threat to the president. Do you know, parent, that's your responsibility? Where was Mordecai? Where was Mordecai? He was at the king's gate. Where was Mordecai? watching a ball game, shooting the breeze with some friends at the gate? No, he was listening. Where was Mordecai when he found out? He was saying, Queen, Esther, be careful. Tell the king there's a, a legitimate assassination attempt about to be made against his life. And Esther listened. And Esther alerted the king. It's powerful. You remember when Jesus was in Gethsemane? That scene. Disciples sleeping and he's praying till sweat turned to blood. You remember that scene? And you remember when the temple officials, the police, temple police, the religious leaders and the Sanhedrin and some Roman soldier, you remember when they came? Do you remember there came that point that Jesus did this? He, well, he healed a man. He calmed his disciples down. And then you know what he said? Listen to what he said. He said, uh, I'm who you came for. Let them go free. Boy, that's love. You know, I've told you the story a lot of times, but it's true. The African tribe in which there had been a thief that was wreaking havoc in this tribe. And finally, some of the leaders in that tribe went to the chief and they said to the chief, listen... We've got to find out this threat and when this person is, when they are found out, we need to publicly put them on a post, strip them naked and beat them in front of everybody, send a message. Next day they came in and they said to the chief, we found out the culprit and the culprit is your mother. They bring the mom of this chief They strap her to that post. They rip her clothes off. And as they're about ready to beat her, the chief takes his royal robes off, sets them aside, wraps his body around that of his mother and takes the beating himself. That's the picture of atonement. That's the picture of Jesus Christ. But don't mistake the fact that's the picture of a loving mom and dad. And that was Esther. And you may say, well, you know um, what happened? Let's let's read on. I won't keep you long, but look at turn over to more, uh, Esther chapter five, verses thirteen and fourteen. I think I'm right here. In in chapter five, verses thirteen and fourteen, there was a wicked man, a man by the name of Haman. He's an Agagite, and he hates the Jews. And we're introduced to him here. In Esther chapter 5, beginning at verse 13, but all this gives me no satisfaction. This is Haman talking. Now, let let me give you a real quick background. Haman is a wicked man that is next to the king. And Mordecai, when Mordecai would go to the king's gate, or when Mordecai would come into the presence of Haman, King Erxes and the Persian Empire demanded p- that people bow to Haman. Mordecai wouldn't do it. He refused to do it. And Haman hated him. And so Haman did not want to kill just Mordecai. Haman wanted to kill all the Jews everywhere. So in Esther chapter 5 verse 13, it says here, but all this gives me no satisfaction. In other words, he was getting kind of the high muckety-muck. He was getting a lot of power and influence. He was second only to King Erxes. And he had all this pomp and splendor, but he had this one man, this one Jew that refused to bow to him, a man by the name of Mordecai, so he's angry about it. But all this gives me no satisfaction as long as I see that Jew Mordecai sitting at the king's gate, refusing to stand up when I come to the gate. His wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him, I tell you what, have a gallows built 75 feet high and ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai hanged on it, then go with the king to dinner and be happy. This suggestion delighted Haman and he had the gallows built. You know what he did? You know what his family said? i tell you what you do. You're the, you're the big gun now. You bid build gallows 75 feet high, and you make a public spectacle out of it, and you hang on Mordecai. You kill him. Make him an example. But Mordecai said to Esther, Don't let anybody know you're a Jew. Why? Let me tell you what a parent is. A parents smile. A lot of them, not all of them. So let's read on. Look at chapter 6, verse 1. I love this. That night the king could not sleep. So he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign to be brought in and read to him. It was found recorded there that Mordecai had exposed Beghthena and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate King Erxes. What honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this, the king asked. Nothing has been done for him, his attendants answered. Chapter 6, verse 4, the king said, Who's in the court? Now, Haman had just entered the outer court of the palace to speak to the king about hanging Mordecai on the gallows he had erected for him. His attendants answered, Haman is standing in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. When Haman entered, the king asked him, what should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Boy, you don't think God has a sense of humor? You see him weaving the web? Now, Haman thought to himself, who is there that the king would rather honor than me? So he answered the king, for the man the king delights to honor. Have them bring a royal robe the king has worn and a horse the king has ridden and one with a royal crest placed on his head. Then let the robe and the horse be entrusted to one of the king's most noble princesses. Let them robe the man the king delights to honor and lead him on the horse through the city streets proclaiming before before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. Go at once, the king commanded Haman. Get the robe, the horse, do just as you have suggested. For Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the king's gate, do not neglect anything you have recommended. Wow. You know, I wrote down here your principle, teach your daughters that God watches over you that God is protecting you. Teach them to be patient, to give God time as God is weaving his plan and purpose for their life. That's so important. Teacher, and I wrote this down, teacher that you may be in an Esther 2 situation, but Esther 7, 9 and 10 is coming. Look at Esther chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. Watch this. We read here that a, seven, a gallows 75 feet high stands by Haman's house. He has made it for Mordecai who spoke up to help the king. The king says, hang him. He says, when it's all discovered, the king says, hang Haman on it. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai, that the king's fury, sub- and, uh, then the king's fury subsided. Wow. You know, sometimes we have to teach our children, you stand up for what's right, you do the right thing. And though you may be suffering right now, you hold true to your principles. Hold true to those spiritual principles. Maintain your integrity. Maintain your morality. Maintain your purity. And hang on, because God's coming. God's got a plan. God had a plan. And you know what it was this? It was... Do the right thing. You know, sometimes we need to teach our children, especially our daughters, to say no. Vashti said no. Sometimes we need to teach our children that you hold your head up high, you put your shoulders back, and you look somebody with authority, and you look at them and you say no. They ask you to do something that you know is wrong. They ask your son or your daughter to compromise. And in that moment, you need to teach them to know how to hold themselves to look at somebody and say, no, I don't do that. No. Esther was a woman of integrity, of honesty. Why? Because she had seen Mordecai model it in front of her. Mordecai did not bow to Haman Mordecai would not practice idolatry. Mordecai was a man that, listen, that could not be intimidated. He would stand for what is right regardless of the cost. I was walking uh, through the sanctuary last week after the service. Kanye was sitting there. And uh, I looked at Kanye and I said, "Kanya, I said, you need to run for the mayor of Jackson. Now, I might as well have taken ice cold water and thrown it in her face. She looked at me and said, no, I would never do that. I said, wow. I said, you say you're a Christian You say you love and respect your pastor. Your pastor just said something to you. Your two daughters are sitting right behind you. And you said no and never prayed, never gave a spiritual answer at all. She better wish she were here today probably. When she hears this online. She may be watching live stream. Kanye would like to say hi to you. And she said, you know what I said? I said, what an example to your two daughters. And she said, Brother Jeff, you're exactly right. I said, Kanye, you need to think about running for mayor of this city. And I said, and there goes your lawyer. And Ledge was walking down there. And I said, there goes your lawyer. And I looked at somebody, could you imagine Ledge and Kanye leading this city? Whoa. Molly, they'll need a good lawyer. You know, sometimes we need to teach our children, especially our daughters, don't be bullied. Don't compromise for the sake of acceptance, expediency. Teach your daughters to stand up for what is right regardless. And in the end, God will bless. You know, I had more, but I'm going to stop there. In fact, let's go ahead and just stand. I d- don't believe this country will make it without a strong involvement of godly women. I don't think we're going to make it. The only way we're going to make it, we could claim, we, hey, we could straighten the city out like that. Rema- imagine if. Kanye Bell. Imagine if people like Marge, strong men, women of God, imagine people like this begin to say enough's enough. Uh, Debbie. Debbie, when they retired from the Baptist Children's Village, they were back over here in South Jackson. She said the first, they hadn't been there in no time. Pow, pow. You know, all the guns going off. Man, they were having a big party out there. And you know what she did? She walked out there and said, hey, pack it up And move it out! These young thug looking guys that think they're just bad news, want to intimidate, they looked at her like, how dare you woman tell me anything? So she went skimmering back into the house and hid in the back room. No, she didn't. Because if you've worked for the Baptist Children's Village and been through what they've been through, you have to be pretty tough. They looked at her kind of like, you know, the way they'll do the, you know. She said, hey. I said, pack it up and move it out. And about the third time of pack it up and move it out, they packed it up and moved it out. One woman, no gun, just the clear voice of authority. This is not in my community and you won't fire that around my home, and you're going to stop it right now. I actually believe the hope of this country is African American women. Because they vote solid for one party, and many times that party has been to the detriment of the community. So they're going to have to be strong and say, Hey, listen, we want to be heard. This is what we expect. This is what we demand. I think they're key. Ladies, for all of you, black or white, young young or old, I believe you have the ability to turn this country immediately around. But it begins with strength and with the integrity and with a walk with Jesus Christ that you are assured of His purpose and His will for your life. Hey, you may have to say to Satan himself in your own home, in your own community, in your own country, pack it up, move it out. You ain't going to do that here. You can't do it until you know Christ and you're walking in the strength and the power of his indwelling Holy Spirit. You can't do it. Or you'll look like the sons of Sceva. You remember that? Those sons of Skeva, they were going to cast out demons over in the book of Acts. And you know what they said? They said to this one possessed by demons, they said, Hey, listen, Jesus, they, they said, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Paul, in the name of Jesus that is preached, we command you to come out. You know what the, you know what the demons did? They came out, got on the five sons of Skeva, and they ran out of the house, running down the road screaming. But a mama who has a reputation in hell who when she gets up, when she stands up, when she speaks out, hey, listen, hell trembles. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you love us and that you care about us, Lord. Every girl, as we've seen, needs a Mordecai. They they need dad and mom involved in their life, living out what it means to have that intimate, personal walk with Jesus Christ. God, there are young ladies that I've watched come through this church that I believe, dear Lord, the hand of God is on them, black and white, from all walks of life, that could be used mightily if they would just simply say, Lord, here I am, use me. So, Lord, we pray today, we pray for our moms. We pray for our young women. We pray for our teenage girls. We pray for our little girls that are growing up in a very, very difficult time. As we looked last week at domestic violence and the toll that it takes on women today, we pray, dear Lord, for our damaged daughters that, Lord, you will give us the strength of knowing how to walk with you in such a way that they will be damaged no more. Help us, dear Lord, to give guidance. Help help us to teach how to listen. Help us to protect them when they're vulnerable. Help us to be very involved in their life. And may we realize that they can go out and they can change the world as Esther did. Lord, I pray if there's someone that doesn't know you today, that they would come and give their life to you. Repent of their sin. Jesus, ask you to come into their heart and be the Lord and the Savior of their life. I pray for those that may need to just simply come and spend a moment at the altar and say, I've not been walking like I should, but Lord, forgive me, help me. Maybe for some, they need to come and have me pray for them. Or maybe Sheila here, that they just say to the pastor's wife, just need you to pray with me. Maybe they need to grab the hand of somebody and say, will you go with me this morning to the altar? I just... Just want to pray. Lord, whatever decision, may you guide it. And may nothing interfere with what you want to do. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.